2: And That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So um, there's still a lot of things going on with regard to uh, the Ukraine conflict. We're going to start with that. And, you know, um, there's the uh, nuclear plant, Zagrafia, uh, it's Zaporizhia plant. OK, the Zaporizhia plant, it's spelled Z-A-P-O-R-I-Z-H-Z-H-Y-A. And that plant is trending right now. And people are talking about Chernobyl and they're talking about uh, this this plant. And there's many uh, conversations going on about this. And one of the one of the conversations is that Putin wants to control the energy and freeze the Ukrainian people to death, and not to death, but into compliance, into and, uh, con- and to control. It's 18 degrees in Ukraine. It's very cold, and you know this plant supplies most of the energy for Ukraine, and. I think it even even outside of Ukraine. It's a, a large nuclear plant. Sundance came out. Sundance, uh, the conservative treehouse, came out and started talking about these missiles. So they put out a video, and it says this is a video of what appears to be uh, rocket propelled grenades, uh, RPGs, being fired from inside of the nuclear plant, and the Russian forces claim these RPG attacks are what forced them to return fire, and that's what you see on the video. Their explanation seems plausible from the video. Some people said there the video had been doctored, so there's propaganda. Being accused, people are accusing people of propaganda from both sides, and even Jack Posobiec, you know, came out and endorsed the Sundance uh, theory, and uh, but it's plausible. It's it's definitely plausible that yeah, you know, and then Zelensky came out begging for the support of the West. Now you think about it from you know who wins in certain things. You know, like basically, if there's a crime and you're trying to figure out who did it, you know, if you're a detective and you're trying to figure out, okay, you got a dead husband, you got a wife that just filed filled out a uh, an insurance uh, a jur an insurance um, service uh, so that they get uh, you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Just before the the guy dies, the husband dies, you would look to the wife. Or if it was the other way around, you'd look to the husband. And so when you're, you know, looking at this, who wins? Who's the winner here? And to me, the winner here, there are no winners, really. I mean, this is a tragedy. And this is why... Um, It's one of those things where when people ask me before this conflict even started, do you think it's likely? I said, it's possible. I said, but it's unlikely because it's just so stupid for Putin to get into this and for Putin to be shouting around, uh, talking about Nazis, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, stupid as well. I don't think that the Ukrainians are Nazis on, you know, they're being defensive, and and not only that, but Russia wouldn't win that argument in the court or anywhere else in the court of public opinion. But the benefit to NATO to, to Ukraine is is really that they're fast tracked now into the European Union, which puts them into contention for NATO. And right now, you know, Russia already blew its chip, its bargaining chip. If if ever they didn't want did not want Ukraine to get into NATO, they went about it the wrong way. Russia getting directly involved in this conflict is almost going to now ensure the Ukraine be part of NATO. And and part of the problem is you know with this fall this, this uh, nuclear attack, this nuclear plant the Zaporizhia plant. The, the situation there is when Zelensky gets out and pleads for help, who do you think is going to be who do you think going to be uh, alarmed by, by the uh, by these uh, new events that have unfolded? Of course, it's going to be NATO alliance countries. The NATO alliance countries. So, so basically, you're looking at Germany and France and a whole host of other countries that are basically threatened by the nuclear reactors exploding because they got to keep these. Uh, they got to get the energy back on to keep the the fuel cool. Otherwise, if you don't have the coolers, the fuel goes hot and the thing melts down. That's what happens in a nuclear plant. The difference, though, between Chernobyl and this plant in Ukraine is that the Chernobyl plant had a hydrogen explosion. It was a massive explosion. This didn't suffer that. Now, there's a couple of misreports. One, they reported that part of the plant was on fire, Well, it turns out that, no, that was a neighboring building for training and for a weapons depot and what have you that was on fire. It wasn't the plant itself. So that was misreport number one. Number two, Zelensky is out there saying, you know, that this is this is now Europe's problem. So Zelensky is basically saying this is your problem now, Europe. You're now in this. And that's what he wants because he wants all of Europe to come to the aid of Ukraine and put a stop to the Russian aggression. And this plant, this plant being on fire or being under threat or the threat of nuclear um, meltdown and the, 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 uh, the uh, release of radiation permeating through throughout Europe becomes their problem. So, who's to say that they weren't shooting up their own plant in a way that created this kind of uh, panic? And it's plausible that they shoot up their own plant and create this kind of panic to get Germany and France and other leading NATO nations and other leading European Union nations to, to to get directly involved, and it's quite interesting to, to see how this is developing. And uh, so there's that, but then you got Putin using the Nazi word, so he's playing to the people of uh, Germany who have you know Nazi phobia, even though. They vote like they're Nazis, even to this day. They vote radically left. They support socialism. They support, probably, communism, if they're anything like our squad, Ocasio-Cortez and Rashid Tlaib and and, uh, Ilhan Omar. So, the left has gotten radically left. And it's become very global, you know, and... One of the chief globalists in the world is Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is a chief globalist, if you've ever seen one. Little guy from North Carolina. He's advocating for the murder and the assassination of Vladimir Putin. Because he hates Putin so bad. Because Putin is really someone who despises globalism. It doesn't work for him. He likes having the leverage that he used to have. But his economy is just struggling so much. And, but globalism, and this, uh, basically globalism was like mergers and acquisitions. You get two companies that are competing with each other, driving the price of goods and services down. And they get together and they hatch a deal. And they, sign on the dotted line and they get what's called a merger and, you know, they acquire things. So it's a merger and acquisition kind of deal. And once they become this bigger conglomerate of a corporation, what ends up happening is they raise their prices because there's no one that can compete with them. And in one sense, you can almost make the argument that You know, Home Depot put out every hardware store across Main Street in every every city in the country. Home Depot put an end to that. We used to go down and talk to Joe, the hardware guy, and he would help us out. And he had limited hours and he was closed on Sundays and, you know, his prices were higher. But, you know, you knew Joe, you knew Joe and you went down to the hardware store, you bought your hammer, you bought your light bulb. You bought your whatever, ever get you know, And there's been, and I'm sure all of us have experienced great hardware stores where they have every little thing. But those are fleeting, because of the mergers and acquisitions going on with regard to these BlackRock-owned, Vanguard-owned corporations that migrate together. It's why when you go to a strip mall, or, or not a strip mall, a mall, and you start to see a pattern of stores, like KFC and Taco Bell and things like that. I, I've noticed this all around the country and all around the world, even, you, you, you see these pockets of companies like that, and they're all part, partly owned. You know, one, one corporation owns like these 15 different fast food chains. And uh, you didn't know that they were all related. You thought they were competing with each other. But guess who owns that corporation that owns those 15 food chains? BlackRock, Vanguard. So so even the other big conglomerate corporation that owns those, they're another set of 15 food chains or 15 chains in general um, is still owned by the same people, BlackRock. You know? It's crazy. There's no competition. They control the pricing. These corporations control the pricing. And they control you. That's why if you rise up and you say, hey, how could you support Black Lives Matter over me when they're the ones violating the laws, endorsing Marxism, and burning your stores to the ground, why is it that you're endorsing them and not me? And the answer is because Black Lives Matter is a fundraiser for the political party that actually makes a landscape to where we could have this monopoly. It's the Democrats and the liberals and the globalists that support these mergers and acquisitions, and they support these big monopolies. Because that's what globalism is, All by itself. That's why they have multinational corporations. Endorsing multinational trade deals. Multinational trade. TPP was going to be great for Nike. It was going to involve China's slave labor markets. But China pulled out of it when the United States pulled out of it when Donald Trump became president he said the heck with the TPP I like bilateral trade I love it I like bilateral trade I I could do better with making my own deal and I won't be controlled by five other countries that that aren't as strong as me But what it was was a leveling of the playing field, sort of like Common Core, goes at the pace of the slowest student. It's not about competition anymore. It's about everybody coordinating with everybody and controlling people. So just like corporations and their their multinational corporations that are monopolies, they control people. They control policy. They control the disinformation that comes out of the mainstream news. The same thing is true with globalism. And if you don't believe me, ask yourself how Trudeau finally got the power to freeze every trucker's account when they disagreed with him. Where did he get that power? It's not even in their constitution, but... Somehow, for the first time in the history of Canada, they came up with this Emergencies Act, like, like the Logan Act that Kerry was guilty of, but they wanted to sort of pin it on Trump. You know, it's one of these things where they come out with all these different parliamentary procedures and rules and regulations, and they'll set one rule in for another, step-by-step and all of a sudden they got all these lawyers and all the lawyers' money can buy. Do you think that those legal fees are coming out of Justin Trudeau's pocket? No. But he uses these laws, exploits every little loophole with the help of all of his great lawyers that you, the taxpayer, pays for. How would you like to go to court And pay for the other guy's attorney to go against you. That is how the deck is stacked, folks. The deck is stacked against you, the people. The deck is stacked. And it's so ridiculous and so unfair and so just insane. And now they're rigging our elections. Because we're starting to catch on to this, thanks in large part to Donald Trump. He woke us, didn't he? He woke us. He really opened our eyes. But he took a bullet for us. And he took the slings and arrows. And that's why he deserves to be the heir apparent in 2024. And we need to vote like the Dickens, but between now and then we need to do a lot of things to improve our election fairness. And we need to blockade illegals from having a right to vote, which means we really should, should start with amnesty and block, block that. But Justin Trudeau, where did he get that power? He got that power because he's a globalist. He got that power because he had license to kill. License to kill with his horses, trampling all over the heads of protesters, innocent, peaceful protesters. He had license to deny. He had license to control the bank accounts. And in the wake of COVID, they saw how far they could go with it. They saw how many sheep are actually living among us. I still see these crazy people wearing their stupid masks. It's absolutely absurd. And I loved it when DeSantis took to the microphone in South Florida, in the University of South Florida, and he told these kids, take your masks off. They don't work. Stop with the COVID theater. It's not doing anybody any good. And half the kids took them off, but some of these stupid kids left them on because they're either virtue signaling or what have you. But you ask me what the be- well, if you were to ask me what, what's better, a MAGA hat, a red MAGA hat that stands for Make America Great Again, or a virtue signaling PSYOP strapped across your face. I would say the MAGA hat is a better way. It's straight to the point. It's unmistakable. And it stands for freedom, liberty, equal justice under the law. It stands for America First values. It stands against globalism. It stands for America First policies. And what we see with these mergers and acquisitions, with these big corporations that are putting down out Main Street while building up Wall Street, what we're actually seeing is globalism doing the same damn thing. And that's the truth. Globalism, this is why I hate globalism. I can't stand globalism. I was out to dinner uh, last week. With some people that are in the business of politics, and the, one of the first things out of my mouth when I was having this engaging in this conversation with a, a very smart guy, a Yale graduate, a writer. Um, I said, "Well, I'm an anti-globalist." <laughs> and that's exactly what I am. I'm an anti-globalist. And when I said it, it was the first time I had ever described myself that way. And uh, I actually learned something (laughs) about that when I said it. I was like, yeah, I am an anti-globalist. I think I am. I think I am. Because I don't want monopolies and I don't want unfair playing fields, unlevel playing fields. I don't want two standards of justice. And I want to know where my adversary stands. I want them to be pro their country just so long as I could be pro my country. I want to be able to ask questions. You know, so too often during the era of COVID, people have been censored for so many things that have since been proven right. And the people that have been allowed to endorse and sanction have been proven wrong. We're going to play a Fauci clip because we haven't heard from Fauci ever since our Congress in the State of the Union decided to change the science over the 48 hour period to help out one political party over another. It still didn't work because people in America are too smart, too well informed we care so we dig and we get our information but sh- shame on and i feel sad for the people that get their news from rachel maddow and don lemon and and uh, who else is left well <laughs> can't say chris como anymore right jeffrey Toobin, the ma- the masturbator in chief i don't know who are who who are we supposed to trust? This disinformation is probably the biggest thing that's going on. We've never been we've never seen a modern war like this where tanks and missiles are involved and so much information, disinformation. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the JFK assassination. It's like how in the world can you ha- get away with a conspiracy when there was actually a camera that showed the actual footage of the shooting itself. And all of a sudden, the, the camera almost fools us. It's almost like, what if there wasn't a Zapruder film? Zapruder film. Will we have known more? Probably not. We'd know less, even. But... It's strange how these crimes could be committed right in front of our noses and somehow the government can cover them up and sow the seeds of disinformation and they come up with some stupid Warren report. And the same thing is true here. We have everybody has a camera now. But yet somehow the information, and I think that's why we have disinformation, I think we have it because there's too much truth going out there. So, what happens is they doctor videos and they dispel rumors and things like that. And they've gotten really good at disinformation. This disinformation is hard to beat. You know, like there was a story about this guy who was a pedophile and he was a celebrity. And. He was basically dead to rights. They got him. You know, they were going to convict him. And his career was going to be shot. And next thing you know, he gets his PR firm to create a video and doctor it up of him getting arrested and showing all kinds of fallacies in the Photoshop editing and things like that. And then... Two, three weeks later, he puts it out there. And two, three weeks later, after denying, 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 he comes up with the evidence that only he had because he was the one that did it, the doctoring. And he says, look, here's the original photo of this photo here. This was doctored. They're they're setting me up. And then, you know, the pragmatic person says, whoa, that seems odd. Yeah, I think that guy might be right, you know, because that clearly is a doctored photo. But it was him starting it from soup to nuts, start to finish. And that's what we're seeing play out with this video that's related to this nuclear plant. We don't know who to believe. We do know this, that there's a lot of propaganda going on, that Vladimir Putin is talking about Nazis in Ukraine, and in part, I think that's a stretch. I don't think there aren't any Nazis to speak of in Ukraine, but Ukraine is a radically left-wing state, country, radically left- wing. It's why you hear you know these politicians wanting to be part of the New World Order. and it's why you hear them talking about being a shield to the euro. It's it's also why um, they've been fleeced, you know, by Western politicians, you know, in part because they're corrupt, and socialists and communists are corrupt. They didn't have free elections, just as much as Russia didn't. They're both evil. They're both bad. But for Vitali Klitschko to come out and say that we are a European nation. We want to be Europeans. We don't want anything to do with Russia or our former heritage. We want to be globalists. We want to be part of the New World Order. A modern-day European nation. That's what we want. That's what Vitaly Klitschko said. Right in the face of Russia, who is surrounding them. And that's just a bad thing to say, Don't say it. And uh, I guess Kamala Harris sort of said something similar, you know, that they want to be part of NATO and whatever. And that was bad form for her to do that. She's so stupid. But for the member of parliament to also say that during the crisis escalating isn't helpful. And now they're claiming that they're more unified than ever, that they went and did a secret chamber in the state house and sang their national anthem. That's all great. And nobody wishes Ukraine ill will. And I believe in what we played yesterday, which was that clip that said, you know, that they ought to just be neutral, you know, they ought to, instead of taking a political stand, but. They took a political stand because they were being groomed and coerced and coaxed into different things by the Western politicians who were making false promises about their entry into NATO in exchange for helping out my son get $83,000 a month from, from oil by working on the board of Burisma which was a conflict. And the other part is this. Just like they say, Obama only gave pillows and blankets to Ukraine, and what they needed was Javelin missiles, which were tank busters. The problem with the Javelin missiles is they could be in two two purpose, multipurpose silos. Those silos could be used to put up you know anti-ballistic or intercontinental missiles or things like that they could be used for offensive missiles in addition to defensive missiles so when someone says well they're only asking for defensive weapons that's true they were but those weapons could be turned into offensive weapons or at least the propellers, the, the things that used are used, the, the launchers. But here's the deal, too, is that while Obama was doing the blankets and pillows, there was this black market that was going on. And the black market was getting politicians rich. And the black market was enabling Ukraine to set up Offensive weapons and even defensive weapons and NATO weapons, sanctioned weapons. So then at the end of the day, someone like Putin spies on Ukraine and says, Well, I know you're saying, Obama, that you didn't have anything to do with this, that you only gave them blankets and pillows. Somehow they have a missile pointing right at my city called Moscow. And that doesn't make me feel too comfortable. Well, I don't know how they got there, he says, Obama. I don't know how they got there. Well, they got there because of some guy like Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Amy Klobuchar spending their New Year's Eve while Trump is in transition as a president-elect to secure a deal that was probably going to be nixed as soon as Trump got into power after his inauguration. And that's the trouble, so we got we got a situation where we got numb nuts Lindsey Graham basically talking about the assassination the assassination of Vladimir Putin. What's interesting is what's interesting is that he has never really done that before. I think it's irresponsible to be calling on the assassination of a president like that by his own people. So here's what he said in December 19, 2016, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham said this in, uh, Lindsey Graham said this in 2016. Uh, December 19th 2016 so this was after the 2016 election and uh, this was while he was actually going to Ukraine he did that on the uh, he was there in the last week of the year during the Trump transition and he said every responsible nation should condemn the assassination of the Russian ambassador to Turkey. And why do you think he would do that? Why was Turkey so important to to Lindsey Graham? Why was Kamal Khashoggi, Jamal Khashoggi, so important to Lindsey Graham when Jamal Khashoggi was assassinated? Lindsey Graham was the biggest mouthpiece, almost in tears over this. Jamal Khashoggi, who was a player, basically, uh he was a right-hand man for an Obama uh, Obama um, partner and a Bill Gates partner. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, but big-time sheik, Saudi Arab sheik, and got them on video in a meeting with Bill Gates Jamal Khashoggi and I think his name's Tlaib. Yeah, um, I could be wrong about that. But in any case, this, uh, this guy, not Tlaib, uh, it's, it's something else. But in any case, this guy on tape negotiating deals with, did uh, it involve Harvard? It could probably have involved uh, vaccines. Uh, it definitely involved uh, the owner of Four Seasons was invested in this. He was at the meeting, the owner of the Four Seasons. And so, you know, and then the Solomon family basically took these sheiks who were radical socialists and shook shook them down at the Ritz-Carlton in Saudi Arabia. I remember all this happening. And the Solomons are more conservative and, you know, all these Obama disciples. And they were in bed with Jamal Khashoggi who was going to Turkey. And Erdogan, And Obama hated al-Sisi. By the way, interesting news, this week, al-Sisi, the leader of Egypt, uh, wants to normalize relations with Israel. So they've come back to the days of Mubarak, who was ousted by the Obama regime, replaced with a Muslim Brotherhood guy named Morsi. And then he was a tyrannical leader. And then... They went with el-Sisi. And both Obama and Erdogan said, we don't recognize el-Sisi as the leader of Egypt. We recognize Morsi, which is, you know, ridiculous. So it's interesting that in 2016, Lindsey Graham is very, very concerned about the inner workings of Turkey and the Russian ambassador to Turkey because Russia's oil, Turkey is uh, was was working the pipelines out of the Middle East, and the Russian ambassador was involved with that deal. And there's photographs of John McCain and Lindsey Graham with Al Baghdadi and ISIS video of it. <clears throat> so when you put it together, you got guns running out of Benghazi, right? And now Libya is just a slave labor camp for Africa. But Gaddafi was killed. Hillary Clinton laughed about it and said, we came, we saw, he died. Gaddafi's killed. They take all of Gaddafi's uh, assets, put them and store them in Benghazi, set up a mission, run guns and ammo to ISIS, who's led by a guy named al-Baghdadi that was in a detention center that same year in Camp Bukha in Iraq, south-central Iraq, and now set up headquarters in Raqqa, Syria, to destabilize Syria, create a real hornet's nest for, uh, and a problem for Russia, whose main interest in the Middle East involves their naval base uh, that's stationed in Syria. And they were friends with the Assad family since the 70s. And so you got all this going on. But here's Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is involved where when Trump wanted to get out of Syria, Lindsey Graham said, that would be the dumbest thing you should ever do. And next thing you know, there was a false flag attempt in Syria. False flag that kept Trump back in. And it was like, why would Putin do that? Why would anybody do that? When Trump's leaving, he wants to leave. Somehow, the, 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 they do something that keeps him to stay. And it was Lindsey Graham that wanted him to stay. And it was Lindsey Graham that was basically good friends with Jamal Khashoggi. It was Lindsey Graham that was good friends with the Russian ambassador to Turkey. And Turkey was involved with the oil distribution going into Europe and there were weapons that were being provided to ISIS. And I believe that ISIS was actually the law enforcement protectors of that pipeline and those interests. And that's why they funded and financed ISIS to control the corridors and to keep, uh, a variety of influences at in check. So there's a lot going on there, but Lindsey Graham was directly involved and he was getting paid handsomely for these efforts. And that's why they ended up on on New Year's Eve twenty uh, december thirty first, twenty sixteen in in uh, Ukraine with Porinchenko because there was oil distribution, there was energy, there was also weapons. And somehow, Lindsey Graham had supply chains going on. Through Montenegro, involved with Lithuania and Latvia, money laundering in Cyprus, the whole ball of wax. So in December 16th, December nineteenth, two thousand sixteen, during Trump's transition, he says every responsible nation should condemn the assassination of the Russian ambassador to Turkey. But then twenty twenty, but on March third, twenty twenty two, he says, "Is there a Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful colonial Co- Colonel Stoffenberg in the Russian military?" The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country and the world a great service. And I said, Lindsey Graham rejected calls for the assassination of Russian ambassador to Turkey in 2016 when there was oil money to be made in exchange for ISIS weapons to protect the uh, key black market assets. Now once Putin assassinated to protect the advance of a global new world order. Because Ukraine. Is part of that effort. To expand and advance. The new world order. And that's, that's just it. You know that's the. Kicker. And again I play this. Mainly because. We got um, a weekend. Uh, show going on here. And. I want to just play. A couple of key clips to get to the uh, get to the point. Let's take a listen to uh, this for clip number one. We're going to take a clip. This is the uh, Ukraine member of parliament. Let's see what she has to say. Let's take a listen.
1: We know right now it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the euro right now. It-
2: See? So that's what she says, right? And uh, Vitaly Klitschko, the mayor of Kiev and the leader of all mayors in Ukraine, says, we are Europeans. We want to become a modern European country. Vitali Klitschko. And, you know, it's this kind of thing where the Western influences inspired John Mearsheimer, in 2015, to say this.
1: brain down the primrose path. And the right here. But I actually think that what's going on here is that the West is leading Ukraine down the primrose path. And the end result is that Ukraine is going to get wrecked. And I believe that the policy that I'm advocating, which is neutralizing Ukraine and then building it up economically and getting it out of the competition between Russia on one side and NATO on the other side is the best thing that could happen to the Ukrainians. What we're doing is encouraging the Ukrainians to play tough with the Russians. We're encouraging the Ukrainians to think that they will ultimately become part of the West because we will ultimately defeat Putin and we will ultimately get our way. Time is on our side. And, of course, the Ukrainians are playing along with this. And the Ukrainians are almost completely unwilling to compromise with the Russians and instead want to pursue a hard policy. Well, as I said to you before, if they do that, the end result is that their country is going to be wrecked. And what we're doing is, in effect, encouraging that outcome. I think it would make much more sense for us to, neutral, to, to work to create a neutral Ukraine. It would be in our interest to bury this crisis as quickly as possible. It certainly would be in Russia's interest to do so. And most importantly, it would be in Ukraine's interest to put an end to the crisis. Thank you.
2: Neutral Ukraine. Yeah, that would make sense. You know, you're not big enough, you're not wearing big enough pants to uh, go mano a mano with anybody. That's uh, number one. And, uh, you know, and it doesn't help that we have someone like Kamala Harris over there as point person for this conflict.
1: social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States?
0: So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically
1: that's wrong.
2: Wow, that's some really great insight, right? Absolutely ridiculous. So I want to play this clip from Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham wants to kill Vladimir Putin so badly. He hates Vladimir Putin. Why? Because Vladimir Putin is an anti-globalist. And he sees the threat of Europe becoming a European Union and a globalist state. And I say this, I say, you know, when when is it, uh, when is globalism, you know, worked? Globalism is another form of mergers and acquisitions, I wrote, resulting in monopolies of wealth and power that allow the powerful to control the terms of the relationship, relationship with whom they're supposed to serve. Hashtag Blacktop Rock. Hashtag Climate. Hashtag COVID-19. Hashtag Vaccine Passports. Hashtag Multinational Trade. Hashtag Social Credit Score Systems. And I had something else I wanted to talk about, too. We're going to get to Lindsey Graham in just a second. Um, but... Uh, let's see. So, there was a story that got posted, and it says, World Athletic Council bans all Russian and Belarusian athletes from international sporting events. And that was, um, interesting to me because I never heard of the World Athletic Council, I've heard of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, and so on. But I'm like, here's another world entity, right? And I said to myself, World Athletics Council, International Olympic Committee, World Economic Forum, World Trade Council. So you got the IOC, the WAC, World Athletic Council. You got the WEF, World Economic Forum. You got the WTC, the World Trade Council. You got the United Nations, the UN. You got Council on Foreign Relations. You got NATO you got world health organization who i said let's face it billions of dollars of middle class tax dollars have been spent and none of these globalist institutions can solve a damn thing redistribution of wealth on steroids is what's going on here nato was designed to prevent trump uh, prevent russia from doing what they're doing in ukraine Did it work? The IOC messes up the Olympics. The Olympics are worse today than they've ever been. Did it work? This globalism, net neutrality, you know, this this net neutrality business, this globalism, these regulations, is it working? It's not working. It's causing all kinds of conflicts around the world. And that one could argue, all those tanks, I don't see them running green tanks, do they? Are they? They're blowing up all kinds of smoke. Now we got a nuclear reactor in the crosshairs. But somehow, Lindsey Graham wants to murder and assassinate the leader of Russia, Putin. Let's see what he has to say.
0: Yeah, the Russian people are not our enemy. Uh, I'm I'm convinced it's a one-man problem surrounded by a few people. So, at the end of the day, Brian, how does this end? Uh, we're not going out in on the ground of the Ukraine. You know, if he attacks a NATO nation, we'll have World War III. I don't think he'll do that. The way this will end is when he gets charged with a war crime, Putin and his cronies, and one day we we nab him when he leaves Russia. But the best way for this to end is have an Elliot Ness, a wide Earp in Russia, the Russian Spring, so to speak, where people rise up and take him down because if he continues to be their leader, then he's going to make you complicit with war crimes. You're a good people. You'll never have a future. Uh, You'll be isolated from the world, and you'll live in abject poverty. So I'm hoping somebody in Russia will understand that he's destroying Russia, and you need to take this guy out by any means uh, possible. So
2: So what an idiot, right? I mean, absolutely. That's not policy. And uh, we get into the business of that starts to go in all kinds of different directions right the same guy says this about Joe Biden
0: the bottom line is if you can't admire Joe Biden as a person then it's probably you got a problem <laughs> you need to do some self evaluation because what's not to like here's what I can tell you that life can change just like that don't take it for granted. Don't take relationships for granted. I called him after Bo died. And he basically said, well, Bo was my soul. We've talked for a long time. He came to my ceremony uh, and said some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. And um, he's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. Is that right? He is as good a man as God ever created, and we don't agree on much. But I think he's uh, been dealt a really gut blow. I think he focuses on what he's got to do, not what he lost. Uh, his, his heart's been ripped out, but he's going to make sure that the other members of his family well taken care of And He started talking about his grandkids, more worried about them than anything. We just talked about the future. He started talking about the future, the future of his
2: family. So he's in the back of a limo talking like that, about that. Now, at the same time, this is what he has to say to Trump supporters. What is your
0: reaction to hearing what Donald Trump says? disgusted. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you like this guy. I think what you like about him, he appears to be strong when the rest of us are weak. He's a very successful businessman and he's going to make everything great. He's going to take all the problems of the world and put them in a box and make your life better. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. I've been in the Air Force for 33 years. I retired this June. He's the ISIL man of the year, by the way. We just got back from Iraq a week ago this Monday. I know. We interviewed you live from there. You were mm-hmm. with Senator John McCain, and you were going to, into Iraq to get a status report. What, what were they saying to there Iraq
2: about to to all of days. The military
0: leadership and the diplomatic corps. Now, we have young men and women in harm's way all over the world.
2: Well, in any case, and you hear the way he called them ISIL? Too, we know what that's about too. So Lindsey Graham is a piece of dirt, right? Just a just an absolute disgrace. Uh, and now he's calling for the assassination of the leader of Russia, uh, which I think is just ridiculous. You know, that's not diplomacy. What we need are level thinking people to basically get involved and defuse the situation that's going on in Ukraine. We can do that so easily. Because it involves NATO and this globalist movement through Europe. Just, you know, sit down and talk about these things and work out a good deal. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. org if you'd like to make a donation to support America First policies to make America great again. That's our 51 c 3 nonprofit. And also... Uh, if you're going to be buying pillows over at My Pillow, use Red State as your code. We're a and with that, we'll see you next time on, on a the radio. On a
1: Bye-bye.